Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Death to Vanilla podcast, where we talk about boldly creating content and having strategies that help you get noticed instead of get ignored. Because let's be honest, if you don't get noticed, then you have no uh, no opportunity to sell anyone anything. You have no opportunity to make an impact in people's lives. And let's be honest, uh, you know, we get into businesses not only to provide for ourselves and have an income. Uh, but also because what we do, um, you know, we love it to matter. We love it to make a difference and having attention and gaining that recognition and getting known by the general public, uh, the businesses we work in are actually able to make an impact in their lives because of it. And so uh, we talk people through that. We bring people on and hear their stories of how they have helped the businesses that they work in or businesses that they have started get noticed so that you can take those tactical tips and tricks and apply them to the places that you work in and the businesses that you start. And so I'm so excited you're here so that you can learn how to do that. So today we have an incredible guest on the show. His name is Steve and uh, man, he has just done so much great work. Um, we actually get in and have a whole intro, so because it's quite extensive. He's a pretty accomplished dude, and so and he's got a name Steve. And so obviously, I'm totally biased, and I think he's amazing just because of that. But I will let you decide how awesome he is after he starts unpacking a lot of what he does for people. And so one of the things that he does is really begins the process of innovating, doing something different from the inside, right? And that's kind of where it's got to start. You got to start by doing something different on the inside so that what you create and get seen on the outside is different as well. You can't have a source of the material you're working with be vanilla and expect to have something that stands out on the outside. So he works with small business owners and business owners really all the way up to Fortune 500 companies and helps them create systems and processes and plans to help them succeed. And so we ended up unpacking that a little bit and just talking about this idea of like blind spots and how you, me, everyone has blind spots. And those blind spots are the reason that we can't achieve our maximum potential. You know, we can't even get out of our own way sometimes. And so having that outside perspective, have that person that can coach through. And, and let's be honest, as leaders, um, we can't always vocalize all the things that we're thinking through and all the plans that we're imagining because those things have a profound effect on the people working for us. It can create a chaotic work environment. And so having a coach like Steve gives these leaders an option, an opportunity to be able to vent those ideas and brainstorm in a safe place uh, where they can begin to discover where the holes are and where the successes are uh, with someone who's not going to be thrown off by them. And so they can actually have well-founded ideas that they bring back to their team, bring to their bosses for permission to execute on. And so, you know, I don't know. This I know this is a longer intro than normal, but I really think it's going to bring a lot of value to you, and I'm very excited for you. So let's go ahead and jump into our interview. I cause no problems. Mm. I just want to live my life, but I keep on hearing about nonsense. Yeah. Me and my dons ain't mobsters, yeah. but you know when you see imposters. Yeah. We know how to read them faces, same way you know how to read them comments. If you want to talk, let's talk, but right here, make sure you're walking, your talk is constant. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Death of Vanilla podcast. And we have an amazing 
uh, guest on the show. His name is Steve. And uh, for once, there's another handsome, good-looking, intelligent Steve on the show. So it's uh, it's an honor to have you on here. Um, he is a certified business coach, an author, a professional speaker, an award-winning business management executive. Uh, and he's got his MBA on top of all of that. And he has worked with like over 300 businesses. He's also worked with, with three different Fortune 500 companies and has you know, man, it boosted entire divisions for them. Um, really the thing that we're talking about today is his, his one-on-one his coaching, um, and just like how he's actually helping business put together a strategic plan and, uh, achieve positive growth results, uh, and really gain clarity on what their business is doing, what it's all about. And so uh, you're really working on the behind the scenes. And so often on this show, we're talking about kind of like the, the customer facing side of things, but you're making sure the internals are working properly. And I think this is huge because whatever is happening on the inside is going to get reflected on the outside. And so, yeah, so without further ado, here's Steve. And so I would love for you uh, as well to brag about yourself just for a couple of minutes. <laughs> and then we can kind of <laughs> launch into the the... The first couple of questions. Right. Well, thanks, Steve. It's always good to be on a show with another Steve. It's very, very rare. Hundred <laughs> percent. I love it. But yeah, nowadays, I mean, business owners pretty much hire me to help them reveal a lot of hidden annualized red revenue. It's sitting right in front of them, and they just don't realize it. But they also need the help with marketing strategies because and internal systems to really grow their businesses as well because as you mentioned they just don't have that clarity the mission the management they don't have these kind of things in place and all we do is try to help them get those systems and implement it in there for long-term success because as 2020 has shown us many business owners were not ready to exit they had no exit plan in place and that's one thing i always talk about with my clients is like what's your end goal if you don't know your end goal that's your target what are you striving to? What's the, what's the end result of your business? Because one day, guess what? I hate to tell you, you're not going to be in it sooner or later. <laughs> just the way life is. <laughs> it sure is. And yeah, I just think that's, that's interesting. This this idea of, I feel like we're kind of on the edge of is kind of talking about diversifying, right? Which is this idea of like, like the, the example always pops in my head, especially with like COVID and all the recent things that have happened is like, what did personal trainers do once gyms shut down? Like if they didn't have an online presence, if they didn't have courses, if they didn't have any sort of like e-commerce type situation going on, uh, they were just income zero, uh, you know, unless they were getting paid out by a company. And even that company was getting nothing because they were closed. And so of course that means jobs on the line and so on and so forth. So diversification is huge. And so when you're talking about, you know, companies having hidden revenue streams, I think that's, that's so important because it's kind of this idea, like, you know, they, they, they use the phrase too big to fail. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I feel like a lot of companies thought that they were too big to fail or their revenue streams are super predictable, or there's no way that someone was going to touch their market. And then COVID happened. And then it was like, Oh, wait a second. Like one thing can happen. And my business is over. That's it. I mean, give you an example. I work with a guy with tattoo studio. So they got shut down faster than fast because oh, yeah. of course they're customer facing. 
So when I met him, he was already a month into the whole world's ending. And he's freaking out. He has 20 other artists that you know, work in the studio and everything else. I'm like, wait a minute. How long you've been in business? And he goes, well, 10 years. I go, you must have a great database. And he's like, huge. <laughs> you have repeat customers, right? He goes, huge. You get referrals all the time. Is your phone broke? And he just couldn't figure it out. And I go, why are you not calling them up? Because you're licensed to actually go to their homes and you have all the safety equipment to continue mm. doing tattoos at their homes if they're comfortable with it. He's like, you're kidding me. I go, start with your A-list and go all the way down. So he tried it out for two weeks. He goes, oh my gosh, I have two weeks full of work. And I go, now tell all your, your people to call their clients and do the same thing. They were swamped with referrals and everything else. Meanwhile, the doors to the shop are still closed. That's wild. You and know what the funny money left and right. You know, the funny part is he was probably more busy than when he had his studio open. He says he is now because now he has to go. He has to travel. Well, not but, only that, like when they re, when they reopen, what I'm guessing is oh, that if you had to tell him that he was never calling people to begin with. Never. That's and crazy. He, he started doing these video chats. So he said he would set up. We scheduled this like a, an hour or two later in the day when he can meet with his prospect, his client, get the ideas so he could start sketching then mm. he actually emails them a, a picture of it. They prove it or not. So when he comes and meets with them, it's bam. Let's get it done. What what a, a uh, an efficient use of time. <laughs> yeah, he's going to take some of these strategies and once now they're starting to open up and the, he's utilizing now all that and he's starting to do creative videos on how tattoos and health and hygiene behind the tattoo industry. So it's like, there you go, man. And he's selling shirts, everything else. Talk about diversifying. And before, it was only in-store. Dang. So he's, he's, he must be doing phenomenally better than when he was open before. Yeah, he, he's trying to pay me in tattoos. And I'm like, well. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you don't have some sleeves hiding underneath of that know, video? Like, hey, oh. sorry. They're still clean. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Dang, you got you to gotta break the seal. I only have one. So I'm, uh, yeah. I'm not, I, I didn't get the bug. Like they say you do like, Oh, like you get yeah. one tattoo and then you get like 10 more. That has not been my experience. <laughs> so, no, so. I stopped it too. And that was enough. And I'm, there cool you go. <laughs> if you don't have anything worth tattooing, I don't know what to tell you. So I certainly <laughs> don't like the nothing I want to have my, my body permanently. So, but no, that's, that's incredible. I would love to hear, do you have any more stories like that? Maybe a different industry, maybe the one that's not service-based uh, since we kind of covered that, that there was like these hidden things. Cause I, I want to kind of give people uh, a second to kind of sit back and think like, Hey, maybe I do too. Yeah, man, worked with a few restaurants right at the beginning of the pandemic. And a lot of them, just by talking to them, found out that they were actually sitting on gold. And they just couldn't see it because they're, you know, the problem's right in their face. You must close your doors. Mm -hmm. And same with like a, a CPA firm. <laughs> this one CPA firm I worked with, he was laughing about the whole COVID thing. He goes, what do you mean? We were told to shut down. So a week later, I went in, cleaned the office on a weekend and asked my staff, do you guys feel comfortable coming in or not? And everything was already spaced out. 
he already had all the systems set up. They could work from home. They could work from the office. He had all these things in, interlaced. All he did was start reaching out to all his database at that time. It was the first time he ever did a newsletter or anything else and gave him tips to how to help their businesses. And he was, he's flooded with work. That's incredible. Just by giving some ideas to his people. And he has a full staff and they haven't really been closed. Right. Well, I've, I mean, it's just so funny. There's so many businesses like that. And yet I feel like you were saying, like, I kind of feel like the, the thing we keep running up against is this idea that if it's not business at usual, they don't have a box in which to put it. And so it's like, okay, well, we've, we've always gotten customers this way. Well, that's cool, but now you can't do that anymore. So what are you going to do? So it's not like CPA firms are the only companies that could have had work from home, but then managers were too scared or what have you. Then they were forced to do it. And then they realized like, Hey, uh, I can have an office or a commercial space half the size that I used to have. It saves me just disgusting amounts of money. Um, hey, this is feasible. And I think that's pretty exciting. That's it. Oh, yeah. I've seen so many businesses pare down and even like insurance agencies who had large staff and they went remote. And then they realized, why am I paying all this rent? I can keep a little storefront now, a 300 square foot, just me and my main CSR, my customer service rep, and leave everyone else out in the field working from home because they worked out a life work balance and everything else. And I was like, sure, that was not hard, was it? And it's like, they just never thought like that. Right. So with all of this, there's obviously a process and there's fears that people are working through or just blind spots in general. So do you have a process that you take them through that helps them start that journey of discovery? I just start by asking questions. I want to get to know them and their business because there's always a why behind what they do, or at least you hope so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <we> right. hope. <laughs> and, you know, with 2024, it was kind of like forcing a lot of people's hands to close up because they didn't have stuff, have processes in place. I'm working with someone right now looking to exit their business. They don't realize that they've actually been setting up their business for this moment. Mm. And once I started asking them questions, they go, I never thought of it like that. I never thought of it. And that's all I kept hearing out of their mouth. Like, I never saw it like that. I never thought of it like that. And it's like, you know, you're like just a couple pieces away from really selling your business. And they were just like, after an hour, they were floored. Did, and because they didn't realize all their gold was actually sitting on their table and they didn't even see it. So it's basically just asking questions and finding out a little bit more. And then I just go, wow, wouldn't that be cool? Cause you already have that in place. So you got to kind of check that off your box. And she was just like, I never thought of it like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're closer to a sale than you think. <laughs> well, isn't that a lovely surprise? <laughs> yeah, I'm, it, oh, it's, I'm sure it, most of the time it's not that way. I, I kid you. That was one in a million. I usually yeah. hear the other side, like <laughs> that's a, uh, okay, we're going to have to work hard together. <laughs> Some people just have that magic where they just do things by accident. And I was the, the podcast I was doing just the other day, a guy named Eric is a local guy that does a podcast and he's been doing these great branding moves and he didn't even know it. 
he's like protecting his brand and building equity and like all these other things. And it's like, dude, you don't even know you did it on accident. And that's, that's frustrating for the rest of us who have to try really hard. <laughs> oh, I know. And some people, it, they don't realize what they're doing. There's no goal behind it. They just mm. do it because they heard it was the right thing to do. It, they read about it. They hear it on TV, social media, everything else. And they don't realize how much that actually is helping their business. They just haven't learned how to turn the key on it to get that engine going. They built the machine already and it's ready to go. So maybe this is too general of a question or, or maybe the answer is too specific. Do you find yourself asking some of the same questions with everyone you sit down to? It's like, is there any common like threads that run through the conversations that you have with people that people can start asking themselves? A lot of times it's really getting to know them and their business mm -hmm. because they've all built it different ways. So, Cause I work in a variety of industries, not one specific industry. Right. And then it's amazing. Like, where their thought process is. Plus they all have different communication styles. So I try to cater my communication style. As you can see, I talk like a thousand miles an hour and I'm, I'm more like a bullet train when I talk. And, but certain people I have to bring it down, but I just want them to start thinking about their business because they're so, a lot of the business owners are, they have the blinders on. They're just mm -hmm. about chasing the sale. And they're not opening it up. And that's where someone like me comes in. It's like, let's open that up so you can start breathing again. And a lot of times, just for all business owners, you just got to take a step back. You need that outside perspective. I mean, if Michael Jordan had lots of coaches, he had them for a reason and he's very open about it. Like, listen, yeah. I can only see what I can see, but they see things in me and push me to know that I can reach a higher level. If, as a business owner, we all still need that. I have a coach who kicks me on the backside every now and then, but they're asking <laughs> continual questions like, why are you doing this? What is the mission of your business? And I always ask business owners, what is the true core of your business? What is your why? Everything needs to go to your why. If you're thinking about adding a product or service, does that fit into your why? Does that satisfy your customer's needs and wants? Yes or no. It's not a, well, maybe... None of that. It has to be yes or no. That's a close-ended question. So right. Asking the business owners the same kind of things. It's like when I, we dwell down into that, what is your why? We'll always get there. So the obvious way to take that is Simon Sinek. But the, the, one, yeah. uh, <laughs> the one that I actually think of uh, when I think of this is, I don't know if you ever heard of Mike McAllowitz. He, uh, he wrote a couple books. Um, he wrote like, uh, profit first. Um, yeah, he wrote a couple others. I'm just blanking cause we're on camera apparently. So, <laughs> um, but anyways, he made a really interesting point with this, this idea of like, you have a, uh, you know, a guy come over to your house and he, uh, you know, does your landscaping. And then while he's doing your landscaping, he notices you have some problems with the roof. So he asks to take care of the roof problem, but he doesn't have the tools. So he has to go buy the tools and come back and do the roof. And while he's up there, he sees another problem, so on and so forth. And you end up getting yourself in a position where you get so far removed from your home base that you have neither the skills or the tools or the client base that demands that service. And you end up just throwing money away, even though like you made money, but you actually threw away money because it costs you a lot 
and uh, diversified in an unhealthy way, right? So is there people, like what are some common things that you feel like people branch out to and then they kind of need to like reel it back in? Uh, I've thought with actually a home interior designer, that okay. was their course. But then next thing you know, you looked at all the other things they did. Oh, we can also do interior painting. Oh, we also do window blinds. Oh, we also can replace windows. And it was like, are you doing all this? And they're like, yes. And I go, well, there's taking away from your core. Why are you right. not setting up joint venture partners with those experts? So whoever is the window installer, they have the tools, the resources, the knowledge, all that. Why are you not teaming up with them? Let them do it, but become their joint venture partner and stay true to your core. But yes, it does happen every now and then you'll see some people as they say, they go, they're spreading themselves flat instead of going deep. Mm. I like that. Yeah, that I feel like with a market really, I mean, bit, like small businesses and it's just like, it's just growing so much like, I feel like lots of industries are just growing like crazy. So what you end up having is a situation where you have a lot more competitors and which then increases the need for you to stand out. And it's hard to stand out when you're a generalist. Right. And yeah, so exactly. I feel like you're real, they're really shooting themselves in the foot if they're not going deep, because at the end of the day, that gives them less of a, a unique offering. Yeah. It dilutes the message for your true target market too. Now they, they really don't understand like now for the example you gave, well, are you a landscaper or are you a roofer? Are you chimney specialist? I don't, I'm missing the mark. So I'm not going to hire you. I want to hire a landscaper. Right. Well, and the assumption is that they'll do a better job. Right. And yeah. even if, even if that's not true, that I feel, I feel like that's generally a fairly safe assumption. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm with you. It's like, yeah, I always use the example, like, Okay, I have a degree in accounting. Do I know accounting? Yes. Do I actually like it? Believe it or not. Yeah, I love numbers. But do I want to do someone's books or taxes? Not a snowball chance. No way. Right. But guess what? I know people who love it and touch it every day. They are an expert at it. I will bring them in all day long and let them help you out. Right. So... <laughs> A lot of what we're talking about is for small business owners, but we're also talking, you know, some of the listeners here are going to be like marketing directors or, or CMOs or something like that. How can they begin to work through the process of opening, like you said, removing those blinders and beginning to discover other things? Is it really just as simple as just getting that outside perspective or is there ways in the meantime that they can start widening their field of view? Yeah, the simplest thing, and I see this with a lot of small business owners, I always say, who's your true target market? And then they rattle off some things. And it's like, great, let's take a look at your just demographics because we can get that real easy. And then you find out that's not what they said. Right. And it's like, so something's resonating with these people and here's your message. So something, it's a misconception. So the easiest thing to do is just call your customers. Why did you go with this? What products and services? Poll them, survey them. Believe it or not, throw them a few bones. Throw them, make it fun. Give gift cards away. Do whatever. Right. But by asking your current clients, your former clients, and potential clients what's resonating or what other kind of products or services that they think that you could offer them to bundle it, 
which will give you more value and knock out the competitors because then no one's comparing it apples to apples. Right. What are those things? Ask your current customers. That's the easiest thing. You already have a relationship with them. Even your past customers hopefully have a good relationship with them too. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if it's a one-time thing, like if you're a real estate agent, you know, and how, how many times is someone going to work with you? Like maybe a couple of times, maybe, you know, maybe. two or three, but uh, depending on whether or not you're in the military or something, but I guess that, that <laughs> they figure that stuff out for you. But uh, you know what I mean? So like for some people, they're going to have a lot of past customers because they only do something once. Um, for people who have repeat, obviously that's huge. Cause like you said, they, they already know and believe in what you do. And so in a lot of ways, it's like a really, it's really helpful because it gives you another opportunity to share that you want to serve them better, which is only a winning move. Uh -oh. You're taking a vested interest into your clients, your customers, and making sure that you're satisfying their wants and needs with your products and services and your expertise. All you're doing is putting it in alignment. And you know what? As a consumer, if say like my insurance agent came to me, why do you go with me, not the you know, the 10,000 other insurance agents, right? I can rattle off a list. Those are his strengths and his benefits and his features. Well, insurance is insurance. It's a, you know, it's not really sexy stuff here, but it's <laughs> the agent who makes the difference. So it's like, what, there's the difference. So be that person you want to be attract who you want to attract. So when we were talking about like talking to your your current clients or past clients, would you say that most businesses are operating out of assumptions about who their client is? Yes. That's kind of scary. A lot. Unfortunately, I mean, I'll give you one of those horror stories. I mean, well, use me. I had a, a niche at the time. And then I woke up one day and realized I had 15 clients, which was, I was maxed out. And not one of those clients was in that niche. Mm. So I'm like, wait, do what I do with my business owners on me. So I asked my current cl clients, what resonated with you to go with me? And they said, they almost all said the exact same thing. So all I did was remove the niche part out of my message and it, nothing changed. It was like, I'm still attracting business owners. And it was like, I just removed the niche. That was it. The rest of the message resonated with them. So I was assuming one thing and reality was something telling me something else. Right. So I feel like that's a really great solution for someone who's been in business for a while. But I feel like when, when people are, are starting out or maybe they're new to the job and they haven't like really gotten the drill in yet of, or, or they're, or they're redoing some of their marketing and, and branding and figuring stuff out how do they go about finding out who their, you know, if we want to just call it an avatar, because that's essentially what we're talking about. How do they discover what that is if they don't have that history that they're able to pull from? Right. Yeah, a lot of times uh, focus groups or just start asking everyone. Uh, one of my favorite things, this is going to sound really crazy, is go to a speed networking event. So you get okay. 60 precious seconds to deliver your elevator pitch. And I tell business owners this, I go, you're not there to pick up clients. What you're there to do is bring like three different elevator pitches. Your market testing is what you're mm. doing. So for the first third of the group, you deliver this one. 
look at their face. If you see their eyes roll back and they go back, you know, like, here we go again, probably not good. It's not resonating with anyone. Right. But if they lean in and are excited and they want to hear more, hey, you got something there. And if they're indifferent, then that's what you got. And then you can work on your pitch. Now you're starting to narrow it down. And it could be just little tweaks. Then you take the people who were excited or a little bit of the polling, just ask for coffee time. Listen, I'm trying to get feedback. So that's what I've done. What resonated? What didn't resonate? And I'm getting feedback. What kind of clients do you think I'm going after? So if they don't understand my message and they're not my client, then how are my clients going to resonate with it? Well, and there's always that, that problem too of, if that one person doesn't know my messaging well enough, how accurately are they going to tell someone else about it? And so then all these businesses that rely on word of mouth, mm-hmm. that's, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're really going to shoot themselves in the foot if it's not clear. Oh, absolutely. How many times have you talked to a business owner or even a marketing specialist and say, so what do you do? Right? Basic yeah. networking question. If they're going on for more than, you know, 30 seconds, you're kind of start going, you've checked out <laughs> because they're not clear on who their market is and what their message is. So it has to be short, concise to the point and who are you really talking to and how to find that out is you've got to test the market and find out. I always joke about pet rocks. Who was the real market there? I don't know pet rocks. It was a fad. And so the pet, it was just riding the fad. (laughs) So there was no target market, huh? (laughs) The target market was anyone who couldn't figure out how to glue googly eyes on a rock. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Yes. That was one of, one of the unfortunate trends, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) So, okay. So, so then obviously step one is just, fully understanding who your target market actually is. Mm -hmm. And so if you have history, you can talk to your past clients or just simply observe them, right? Like, oh, like everyone who walks into my office is 30 years old. Well, then your target market's 30 year olds. You know what I mean? Like, well, how else do you, you chop that up? Or if you don't know, if you're new or you're reinventing or whatever else, you gotta just simply test it and focus groups. And one thing I probably would have to add too is just see if you can find competitors. I would imagine that you can see like, oh, what are their demographics? There probably is some overlap and kind of go from there, but. And especially nowadays, there's an association for every industry. Mm -hmm. These associations have so much data at their fingertips and being a member, you have access to that data. There's some great market research in there as well. What kind I of, love uh, observing my competitors too. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, it's, it's it's super helpful. So, what kind of associations are you talking about? Just so people are clear on that. Oh, uh, like home remodeler association, CPA association, realtor association. Oh, we can go on. There's. Uh, so uh, there are specific ones for their industry. Industry, yeah. Okay, yeah, just not not like a chamber of commerce type thing, but just like a. Uh, like specific yeah. to the industry where they're mining that data all the time. <laughs> yeah, because chambers try to be everything to everyone sure. in their community. 
but whereas an association, an industry association is hyper-focused just on their industry. And they're, they're trying to help build the members of that industry up. Right. Working in a collaborative environment. Plus, like I said, some of the best thing is, is go to a industry association event, conference or anything. You want to talk about great data. You talk to another fellow business owner in there. Who's your market? And they all, you're going to find out the ones who like really know it. Those are the ones who are killing it. Mm. The ones who are, well, I think it's this. They're not killing it. They're probably just surviving. You'll see it right. all the time. It's like, who has the clarity here? Who doesn't? Interesting. Okay. So, so you've discovered who your target market is, right? Assuming you don't have any other horrifying, glaring issues in your business, right? You're, you're kind of ready to move forward a little bit more. Uh, one thing that I hear pretty often is not that people don't have good ideas, but they often don't think, you know, three, four or five moves ahead, right? They don't know what their next five steps are. So do you have a, like a framework that you take them through? Do you have common steps that you begin to then walk them through so that that way they have like an effective strategy moving forward? A lot of things. Yeah. We get that market dominating position and then we start building from there. So once you have that, what are their problem? You, now, you know, your target market is what is the, what are their problems and how are you solving them? And so you just want to show the value that you're the person to help them out. So define a little bit what a market dominating position is. Yeah, it's also called the unique selling proposition, the USP. Okay. What makes you so unique or so different than the next person? And a lot of times it could be the clarity or your focus. So if you say, well, okay, I'm an insurance agent. Well, general, broad, oh my God, I'm running away. You're going to try to sell me something, right? But right. if someone says, listen, I protect families in case of emergencies. I'm there when they get in that car accident to make sure that they have, can be, that their car and their family are going to be taken care of in those situations. That's more compelling than I'm an insurance agent. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're going to well, get someone to like, whoa. <laughs> Well, and I think that goes back like to the whole sales idea of um, are you selling benefits or features? You know, uh, insurance is a feature. The benefit is what you mentioned where you, you're keeping someone safe, uh, you know, in case of emergency or, or what have you. And it's like, that's the benefit. And it's, it's far more inspiring to talk about that. Yeah. And business owners, they need, they're just kind of rambling on about their features about their products and services. Well, it can print out, you know, hundred copies per second, all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, the consumer might be thinking, are you going to be there when the machine goes down? Yeah. So you yeah. also got to find out what are their true pain points and how are you, what makes you different? You know, you can get a copier everywhere, but if you're a copy repair shop, what makes you different than anywhere else? Where's that difference lie? Oh yeah, you're a great person and all that. That Take that off the table. What are you gonna provide to your customer to give them what makes you different than all your other competitors? Right. Okay, well, so that makes sense. So from, so you know, we're always wanting to make sure that people get noticed instead of ignored. And so what I'm 
so far, if I can recap what we've talked about so far is, is part of getting ignored is a lack of clarity and reaching out to the wrong people. That's like a guarantee. Like you will get ignored. No questions asked, no surprises. Uh, despite maybe having a great product, getting noticed is, Hey, this is what we do. This is how we're different. And I'm actually talking to the person that cares about a and B. Right. right? And that's where you're going to start to really gain that traction. And at least that's what I'm understanding. So correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> you're right on the money. It's, and then you have to stay in front of those people. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times do you see a, a fast food advertisement anywhere a day? tons why they need to stay in front of you because there's so much competition and what are they touting their benefits to you right no it's i got a bigger burger but they got to keep pounding that in your head because that's all they got right well because that's all they've come to understand as far as their messaging right yeah and then you look at certain restaurants like that say like chick-fil-a well they don't go there where do they go? Customer service. Yeah. All their ads are about customer service. Oh yeah. And their product, right? That's right. what you notice. Customer service. Oh yeah. By the way, we had chicken sandwich. The original. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Oh, oh yeah. And they are um, head and shoulders more profitable. If the numbers that I saw were real, they are significantly more profitable than any other food, fast food in at least the United States. Yeah, they've been number one fast food for what, six years running? And not by a little bit. It's like a lot. A lot. I mean, they make McDonald's and Starbucks and everyone else look like, you know, just entering the market. And they're, the, they're not even less open every units. day. <laughs> yeah, six days a week, less units. Mm. They actually have more staff per store than most fast food chains than anywhere else. Right. It's like their numbers shouldn't be aligning, but it's their customer service and the quality that they are, they take that higher than anyone else. So it's so true. That's their unique selling proposition. I guess it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's totally a matter of focus because if you think about it, like the whole reason McDonald's got popular is because they systematized the production, whereas it kind of feels like Chick-fil-A has systematized the customer service Yes, in, in a sense, right? They've at least figured out a model that works very, very well, if you want to call that. It, you know, it is a system, but, you know, it's... Um, and so then you have McDonald's who's making burgers as fast as possible, but I can assure you their customer service doesn't even begin to touch it. Um, and so, you know, so now you look at which, 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 which position do you really want to be in? Um, it's not like McDonald's isn't successful. They're just not as successful as Chick-fil-A. They, they actually look at it two different markets. Yeah. One is inexpensive, fast meal. Doesn't have anything about good quality anything like that. The other one is about great customer service with the highest quality ingredients. Two and it happens to also be super fast. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. But. <laughs> Did you actually hear that? Um, I forget which state it was in, um, but someone hired like a Chick-fil-A staff, like, like the whole, all the staff of a restaurant to run the, uh, the vaccine lines 
for the COVID stuff because of the fact that they know how to freaking run a drive-through better than anyone. And so they were able to crank through the vaccines like super, super fast because they hired Chick-fil-A workers. How freaking cool is that? <laughs> See, isn't that like a testament to your brand? Yes. I mean, right there, that talk about not only growing a brand and that's not, it has nothing to do with your restaurant. It right. It has to do with your core values of your business. That's amazing. It is. Uh, I mean, what a great position to be in. So, okay. So we've, we've talked about the internals a little bit, but you have experience with the externals, right? And what I mean is like the, the customer facing end of things. So you've, you've gotten the, the, the business in a position where it's, it's stable, it's got good revenue models and it understand what it's about. Right. So at its core, it's begun to already stand out better than it did before. How do we start externalizing that message and, and, and broadcasting it. Yeah. I believe in that book, raving fans, build, build your raving fans. Right. I have yet to read that book. So, so educate me on that. So if I can, I mean, I working like with retail stores, okay. You have people that walk in the door, they want their products or service, get the transaction done and leave. How to turn them into a raving fan is going that one step up, giving them something extra, doing something a little more, creating that relationship, that bond with that customer. Now, that customer is going to go out and become your raging fan. They're mm. going to go out and tell others of the experience of what they just had at your, your retail store. Same with Chick-fil-A. The reason we're talking about it is we've all had great customer service. So what do we do? We tell everyone we are now a, ra a raving fan and maybe right. we hate their sandwich. It has nothing to do with their sandwich. <laughs> you never know. Right. I don't know how you can. Uh, you know. <laughs> I've never had a bad one, but yes, I'm sure it's, it's exactly. possible. <laughs> I'm sure it's possible. I've been the same boat. I've tried. Believe me, I've tried. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It doesn't matter if you're service-based, manufacturing-based. Your vendors can be raging fans for you. Mm. why not have at one business we even had everyone in the accounting department the hr accounts receivable accounts payable we trained them on customer service but they kept saying to us well we never have to talk to the customer the end user do you talk to vendors suppliers creditors people at other company well all day long you need to get them on our team right so we train them in customer service, which they thought we were nuts. The way they interacted now with their vendor, a little nicer. Hey, listen, we're thinking of this. What kind of resources can you help us with? They start asking questions. Next thing you know, we had one company, their vendors were, when they needed to do a donation drive for one of their philanthropies, the vendors came out of the woodwork because they were raving fans of the business. Mm, that's amazing. So it's, it's everyone. It's everyone in front of the customer, behind the customer, everything. Get everyone trained up in your organization to be the customer service rep for your business and turn everyone you encounter into a raving fan. Well, and I mean, unless you're like Coca-Cola, you don't, you can't afford to buy word of mouth that good. No. I mean, when I, I mean, like the one thing I always, I always think about is, uh, so for, 
far too long. I worked at Sprouts Farmer's Market. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it, but um, uh, people are probably more familiar with Whole Foods. It's, it's like a toned down version of that. And so, uh, but I, I worked there for a long time. And so I knew about the quality of the stuff that we did, especially in the meat department, right? I didn't work in the meat department, but I worked next to them. So I got to see them like taking huge chunks of meat and like actually chopping it up and like, grinding sausage and it was really ground there as opposed to being shipped frozen from you know timbuktu or something like that from like the meat of a thousand cows or something and so like i was i was able to communicate that to everyone had ever asked you know like oh like where should i get a steak you go to sprouts because the quality is better just go there and and you know i would buy my stuff in there so i cook stuff and people would ask about it so i was their raving fan and it wasn't necessarily because they treated me really good i mean they did but um because i knew the quality was there no different than we're talking about chick-fil-a right now or anyone else and so to be able to have those raving fans is an incredibly cost effective <laughs> And, and it just was really based on intentionality, right? Like they just had to discover and be intentional about the relationships. Yeah. I mean, I used to run a 1880s Western themed town. So we had, yeah, it was a lot of gunfights and everything. That's super fun. We did this little fun program. uh, We used to call it department swap. Well, the grass is always greener in the other department, right? Of course. Fine. Find someone, we'll swap you for a day they always want to come back to their original department, but they had a whole new perspective on that department. And they told everyone in their department what they just right. witnessed. All of a sudden, all the departments started coming together like this. Mm, that's amazing. And I didn't have to do any forcing, any of that. I just said, try it out for yourself. Right. So I made them become their own raving fans on one each other and for the whole business. So now when they say, so what's the steakhouse like to an entertainer? Let me tell you. (laughs) And I mean, they just, I had to cook steaks and blah, blah, blah. They tell these stories and you guys see the, the customers are just like, they're like beelining to the steakhouse going, I got to have one of these steaks. They can't get there fast enough. (laughs) Yeah. And so you just turn your employees into raving fans, which in turn, turns in your customers, prospects, everyone else into raving fans. Right. I think that's amazing. I think that's an incredible organic way of doing things. And, uh, you know, who knew you had to treat your employees right? Um, <laughs> Cause it turns out they talk uh, outside of work. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? <laughs> I know, right? Who'd have thought? Um, but I, I think when that's incredible. Start? Yeah. <laughs> Well, some people act like it's not true. So, I mean, as as funny as it is to us uh, and as obvious it is when you say it out loud, people just don't act like it. No, they don't. So, And business um, owners think that employees don't gossip and they don't go to the water cooler and they don't go to happy hour. They really have the blinders on. It's like, folks, do you realize your folks are talking to each other in different departments? The the private conversation isn't so private. (laughs) (laughs) No. <laughs> cool. Okay. So then, okay. So that's like a really incredible organic homegrown way of doing it. What other sort of ways um, can you start having that strategic outreach and start really broadcasting the message? One thing I always tell a lot of, cause I'm big into mom and pop, small business owners. I fully support them. That's my lifeblood. That's where my passion lies. 
And sure. I always tell small business owners, what are you doing in your community? Mm. And well, nothing. I've got my store here. Are you supporting a little league? Are you supporting, you know, philanthropy in the community, the teams, bands, the local high school bands, whatever it takes, what are you doing to support, to give back to the community while I'm getting people jobs? It's more than that. It's deeper than that. Yeah. I always tell people get involved in your community and your community will get involved in your business because mm. they're going to see you as a sponsor. You have a table it, at a, like a high school fundraiser. So it's costing you time and money to be there and you got to price it outside and you're sweat and then everything else. Guess what? <laughs> the community sees you, recognizes you. They see you supporting the cause that they are a part of. They're going to support you. That's neat. I think that's super overlooked. It's simple. Well, I don't think that, I mean, that's, I think that's paramount for small businesses, but I feel like you, I mean, I'm sure there's some level, but I feel like you almost can't get too big for that to matter at least a little bit. I mean, I, th I think the thing that I'm discovering when I look at some of the, the biggest like names in personal branding or business bi biggest businesses, well, that's a mouthful, um, is they never have enough awareness. Like the awareness part of the funnel is never full. It's never over. It never, never gets turned off. You always have some and you want more. I mean, there's, if you think about how much money Coca-Cola probably spends on those winter polar bear commercials that are animated and like Pixar level quality, like I mean, there's literally a Coke anywhere you go, anywhere, any Circle mm -hmm. K, a trash on the ground, there's usually a Coke. I mean, like it's crazy. But at the same time, it's like that awareness that they've continued to build and build and build and build has turned them into like one of the most predictable and uh, well-established stocks to buy. Like they're, yeah, like you said, they're, they're global. Um, I don't know how many CEOs they have because they have one for like every single division and country. <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, so and, yeah, speak you know, to there's that. a company that's always giving back to communities, mm -hmm. whether money, products or whatever, but their banner is always up. Yeah. So you recognize it and you associate with it. And what do you do? Oh, I want to have a Coke. That's true. Yeah. I think that's, man, I just really like that. I like that idea of, because sometimes I feel like people are just throwing money at problems yeah. and I, you know, to, to go and be supportive at a community event, isn't like a ton of money. Um, and I feel like, it's, it, it's at the very least money well spent. And if you look at marketing in a very holistic sense of like, it's not just ads and it's not just word of mouth and it's not just, you know, content marketing, it's all of these things combined. I think right. if you're like a mid, medium to level medium, a small to medium sized business, having that community part where you do have to sweat a little, <laughs> it's not <laughs> such a bad idea. I know one business, they do every quarter, almost like clockwork, they take two days off of work, everyone gets paid, and they go work at the food bank, the local food mm. bank. But not only that, they build up to it. They let all their clients know through newsletters, media, social media, everything. We're going to be closed on these two days because we're going to be at the food bank. You want to find us? Go to the food bank. Mm, In fact, that's cool. You help us with a $10 donation that we're going to give to the food bank. 
guess what? It took, it, it, it's a snowball effect. So now they have their clients, people who are not even their clients, are coming to help them, going with them on those two days to go to the food bank to help. And not only that, they're raising so much money for the food bank just by using this as social media. What do they get out of it? Well, the owner now has to pay two days of wages to all his employees. No work gets done for two days, but they give back to the community in such a big way. The community definitely is behind them a hundred percent. Right. And they grow their business year over year. And this is their only philanthropy they do, but they make a big deal of it and they should because they're doing some good stuff. That's really cool. I really struggle with that. I feel like, um, I feel like just emotionally, me personally, feel like it's kind of like a shame when it ends up being a tactic. But I feel like that just, you just got to figure out like what your thing is that you actually care about so that you can go and help with that thing. Because I think people can tell when it's fake too. You know what I mean? It's like, like if I went to a food bank, like people would be like, Steven wouldn't go to a food bank. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and and it's not, there's nothing against it. It's just not, you know, like I can't be passionate about everything, you know? And so, yeah, it's not me. And so, you know, I would encourage the people listening, man, just find the thing that's for you. So it feels authentic. Um, yeah. So that way when you do it, it doesn't feel forced and doesn't feel gross. It doesn't feel, uh, cause then what are you doing? Then you, then you're hurting your brand. You're hurting your brand. And, yeah. and so you've, you've spent all this money and you've used time and effort and taken time off of work and all these other things. And you've damaged your brand because it hasn't been authentic and well, gosh, darn it. That'd be a shame. So yeah, it's, it's gotta be something you believe in. And you know, even this person, when they hire people, they tell them during the interview process, we do this. Yeah. Can you support this? Yes or no. And if they say no, this isn't the company for you. Because they built the culture with it and they're fine with it and they're happy. But you know what? It's something that they all believe in. So it's, it's genuine and it has to be genuine. That's cool. Awesome, man. Well, hey, out of respect for your time and, and schedule, uh, let's go ahead and wrap things up. But I would love for you to just spend the next, you know, three minutes just talk a little bit about like what you actually do for work, just be able to articulate it. So that way people want to get a hold of you for like, say you're coaching or your one-on-ones that they can. And then where can people find you online? Excellent. Well, I'll start with the easy stuff first. So my website is bizcoachsteve, B-I-Z coachsteve.com. And one of the big things I talking about giving back to small business owners, because I believe in that. I also do videos and everything else. But every month I do a complimentary workshop. It's not a sales fest or anything. It's content driven. 90 minutes online. I show eight strategies that any business owner can use. Take those strategies and implement them in their business that day. I don't give it, put it in the nebulous. It's like, hey, you can make a million dollars if you put a stamp on it. No, Oof. let's get into the deep stuff. Right. But I'm just here to help business owners who are flat declining or just not achieving the growth that they're looking for. That's when I come in and it's like, okay, let's get it, get this going up. Let's hit your goals and dreams. Remember when you started a business, you had goals and dreams. Let's start achieving those instead of, because business does not need to be hitting your head against the wall every day. And you're thinking, well, that's the way it should be. No, there's an easier way. 
I right? <laughs> Not necessarily like sipping margaritas on the beach, but no, like we, there's there's some solid in between. <laughs> there's an in between that you we need to find. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Steve. I really appreciate it. And I, I you know, for me, you brought a lot of value because you've you've brought things into mind that I know I haven't been doing. Uh, that is a really good organic way to be able to start building reputation, building brand, and really advertising without spending any dollars in a lot of ways. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. some, you know, um, but n- nothing nothing crazy. And so mm-hmm. I think for the people watching this will be a great resource for them. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I want to cause no problems. I just want to live my life, but I keep on hearing about nonsense. Me and my dons ain't mobsters, but you know when you see imposters. We know how to read them faces, same way you know how to read them comments. If you want to talk, let's talk. But right here, make sure you walk and you talk. It's